Welcome, everyone. Hi there. It's, it's really good to be back here. Um, I see a few familiar faces and a lot of faces I, I haven't seen before. But it's really good to see you all here. Um, my name is Amana Johnson. And, of course, I'm subbing for Ashley today. Ashley and I um, just graduated from the uh, Community Dharma Leaders Program in April. And uh, so we've been on a, a journey of a few years together. So um, I want to query quickly to see if there are any special needs that I should take care in my instruction for anyone? Um, wrists, knees, ankles. Yeah, knees. knees. Okay, so um, you may want to make sure you have a blanket if uh, you can, you know, like if we do a table position. Is that okay for those who have knee problems? So you might want to just get a blanket to make sure that your knees will be cared for and cushioned. And actually anyone who wants to give a little extra tender care to their knees. Yeah. So towards the end of our session today, you'll hear my, my bell go off on my phone. I'd like to set one just to make sure I stay up with the time. So I'd like to invite you at this time to find a position of comfort and ease. However that may be, if your legs need to be stretched out in front of you, that's also fine. But if you do have your legs crossed, try to make sure that you're resting, that your thighs are resting so that you're not straining the body, straining the hip joints. Ease is the natural state of the body and it wants to be able to just relax. And I invite you at this time to bring your awareness to the breath. Exactly as it is. Doing nothing. Nothing at all to alter its natural rhythm and pace. And as you draw in the inhale, allow the spine to grow long. The tailbone presses down into the earth. And the crown of the head reaches up through the ceiling. And on the next inhale, draw the, draw the shoulders back 
and down the back body, revealing the heart. Chin is parallel to the earth. The back, the, the back of the neck is long. And notice exactly how you bring the breath into the room. If it is a long breath, notice that the breath is long. If it's short, notice that. Relax the muscles of the abdomen. Allow the navel to flow into the center of the room on the inhale. And notice how it contracts on its own, reaching back towards the spine. And for those who the breath may be hard to access, bring your awareness to your most familiar object of focus. Perhaps the rise and fall of the abdomen, or the parts of the body that touch the earth, where you can feel the pressure of your body pressing into the earth and notice exactly how she holds you, and you need do nothing. This time I'd like for you to increase the amount of oxygen that you draw in on the inhale. Bring it all the way into the abdomen, up into the mid-lung, and all the way up into the nodes around the collarbones. And notice any difference in this three-part Dirga breath. Notice how the ribs flare out to make room for the lungs to expand. Notice how the lungs massage the heart open and out on the inhale. And as you continue to breathe, Try to maintain that open-hearted reaching through the rib cage. And I invite you at this time to engage Dirka breath, Ujjayi breath, slightly closing down the flap at the back of the throat and creating the sound of the ocean on the inhale and the exhale.
Ujjayi breath calms the mind and soothes the nervous system. And I invite you to engage this breath throughout our practice today. And on the next inhale, I'd like you to reach your fingers out to the side, away from the body. Press the fingertips down into your mat. Draw in a deep breath, turn the palms of the hands up and drift the arms up overhead, reaching through the fingertips. On the exhale, rotate the torso to the right side and release the arms down on the exhale, front and back. Inhale, up. Exhale, twist to the left and release. Inhale. And continue. Allow this to be your yoga. Continue at your own pace and feel into all the muscles that move and stretch as we twist the spine in the first two positions of the spine, twisting from right to left. And on your next movement to the left side, Inhale, the arms up overhead, rotate forward, and reach through the fingertips. Where are your shoulders? How is your abdomen? Where's your heart? And draw the hands together, the palms of the hands together. (coughs) Exhale down the midline of the body. And reach the fingertips up under the knees. Lean back and bring the legs into a wide V. Roll on to the front of your sit bones. And draw the toes in towards the body. Take a deep breath here and place the hands in front of you. And coming only to your first edge, reach the torso out of the pelvis as though you were separating the body and begin to walk the hands out in front of you. Take your time. Feel into any places of tightness and holding and bring the breath there. Only come to your edge. Pay careful attention to the messages of your body. Bend the elbows if that's available to you. Press down into the hands as though you were drawing your mat towards you. Spread the fingers wide. 
The collarbones are reaching away from each other. Take a deep breath, and on the exhale, fold the torso over, maybe a micro-movement more. And stretch the arms fully out in front of you. Breathe the left hand back, placing the thumb in the left hip. Roll the heart up. Turn the right hand onto the back and glide it across the ocean of the floor to the right leg. Press into the left heel. I'm sorry, I'd like to see you do that. Press into the left hip joint as you roll the heart up, keeping the back of the neck long, and walk the fingers up the ladder of the rib cage. Slowly activate each intercostal muscles in between the ribs all the way into the armpit. Roll the shoulder back, and with grace and ease, drift the left hand up reaching the fingertips and turning the palm towards the left, the right. Take a deep breath here. Reach through the side body as you reach the left fingers over to the right side. When you come to your edge, look up under your left arm, keeping the neck long. A deep breath here. And on the exhale, float the palm of the left hand down to meet the right. Turn the right palm over and glide both hands to the center position. And see if you do not come down a micro-movement more. Press into the left hand as you draw the right hand back, placing the thumb into the right hip joint. Stick that hip joint to the earth. Flip the left hand onto its back and glide it across the floor to the left side. And lift the heart. Open the heart. Continue to stick that right hip joint to the earth as you walk the fingers up the rib cage. See if you can feel the intercostal muscles separating from each other all the way into the armpit. Roll that shoulder blade down the back body. Can you feel that? Take a deep breath and float the right hand up gracefully with ease. And send the palm over to the left side as you reach over to the left. Come to your edge. And when you get there, look up under your right arm at the ceiling. Take a deep breath here. Float the right hand down. And flip the left hand over. And once again, come to the midline of the body. And notice where you are now. Take a deep breath. Press the hands, the palms of the hands down into the earth. Look up in front of you and walk the hands slowly in towards the groin. And bring the legs together. Go over to one side, come up onto your knees, and let's come into table. And those of you who really need the protection on your knees, give yourself a little bit of cushion with your blanket. Take a moment to find the architecture of your table. The hands are shoulder width apart, 
And the shoulders are stacked right over the ankle, (laughs) right over the wrist. Knees are hip-width apart, hips right over the knees. Press out through the tailbone and through the crown of the head. Turn the shoulder blades in across the back, spreading the collarbones away from each other. Take a deep breath. Turn the tailbone under. Tuck the chin into chest and round the back. Exhale, tip the tailbone up. The head is the last piece to follow. Exhale here as you tip the tailbone under, chin to chest. Inhale, tailbone up. Back of the head towards the back body and continue with this cat-cow at your own pace, allowing the breath to initiate each movement. positions of the spine, forward and back. Pick up the pace and remember your ujjayi breath. And on the next exhale, float the body back to stillness. Turn the toes under, press into the palms of the hands Glide the weight of the body back into the back legs. Continue to keep the knees bent. Press into the heel as though you were pressing the earth away. And begin to straighten the legs as you come up on your toes. Look down at the feet. Take a deep breath here and on the exhale, drift the left foot down to the earth. Inhale up and exhale the right foot down. And continue to walk the dog in this way at your own pace, allowing the breath to initiate each movement. Take a deep breath, come up on the tips of the toes all the way up, press into the hands. And bring the weight of the body into the back legs. Take a deep breath here. Exhale. (sighs) Release the heels down to the earth. And look up at the hands and begin to walk the feet towards the hands. Coming all the way into standing forward bend. Allow the body to hang. The arms hang loose like loose cold sleeves. Roll back into the heels and roll into the inner arches of the feet. Lift the toes and spread them wide. And bend the knees. Allow the torso to rest on the thighs. Reach the arms out to the side gracefully. Take a deep breath. Turn the palms up. Press into the feet and slowly... Allow the body to come up, reach the arms up overhead. Come up on the toes. And release the heels back down. Bring the palms of the hands together down the central axis of the body. 
Take a deep breath. Turn the palms down. Reach up overhead. Bring the palms together. Ujjayi breath. Exhale down. Inhale. Palm, fingertips down. Reach up all the way back. Big sun arms this time. Palms together. And release down the central axis. And continue. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. How much energy can you gather? Exhale. Inhale up. And this time, separate the arms out to shoulder height. Bend the knees and tip the torso forward. Bring the arms all the way down to the earth. Straighten the legs. Take a deep breath here. Bring the hands to the upper shin. Reach from the tailbone through the crown of the head. Exhale down. Reach the arms out to the side. Press into all four corners of the feet. And inhale as you pivot the torso upward. Turn the palms up. Inhale up overhead. Exhale. Inhale up. This time, exhale, swan dive down. Press the tailbone towards the rear wall. Inhale, the palms of the hands to the upper shin. Exhale, down. Place the palms along the sides of each feet and step back with the right foot. And step back with the left. Press into the heel of the hand. Come into down dog. And float the body to plank. And press the earth away. Spread the shoulder blades along the back body. Feel the energy in the abdomen. Take a deep breath here. And another. And on the exhale, bring the knees down to your mat. The chin down to the mat and the chest. Slide the torso forward. Come into cobra. Lift the palms of the hands up off of your mat. Feel the energy in the abdomen. Turn the toes under and press the body all the way into up dog. Miles. Inhale, press into the palm of the hand and come back into down dog. Look up at the hands. Step forward with the right foot. Step forward with the left. Standing forward bend. Bend the knees and sink the tailbone towards the earth. Take a deep breath and reach the arms up along either side of the ears. And allow the thumbs to draw the torso upward as you continue to sink the tailbone down towards the earth. Ukatasana. Chair pose.
Press into all four corners of the feet. Straighten the legs. The fingertips bring the body all the way up. Reach the thumbs towards the rear wall. Open the heart. Roll the shoulders down the back. Bring the palms of the hands together down the midline of the body, right to the heart. Anjali Mudra. Feel the sensations inside the body. Allow the eyes to slide closed. Notice the energy that has come alive inside. Take a deep breath, turn the fingers down. Open the arms wide, reach all the way up. Take your time coming all the way to the ceiling. Take a deep breath here, exhale, fold the torso forward, swan dive down. Step back with the left foot. And bend the uh, right knee. Allow the left knee to sink down to the earth and come onto the top of your left foot. And bring the hands to the lower thigh and take a moment to solidify the architecture of this posture. Reach the left toes towards the rear wall. Lengthen through the inner left hip joint. Draw the shoulders down the back, away from the ears. And just allow the arms to just rest along the side of the body. Allow this to be dynamic. Turn the palms up. Inhale up overhead. And reach the thumbs towards the rear wall. Open the heart. And if it's available to you, turn the head to look up at the ceiling. And take a deep breath, palms forward all the way down on either side of the forward foot. Turn the toes of the rear foot under and step forward. Standing forward bend. Take a deep breath here. Bring the palms of the hands to the upper shin. Lengthen the spine. Press out through the tailbone and the crown of the head. Take a deep breath here. Exhale down. And step back with the right foot. Stack the left knee right over the left ankle. And allow the right knee to drift down to your mat. Feel the opening in the right hip joint. Take a deep breath and bring both hands to the lower left thigh. And allow the shoulders to reach down towards the earth. Sink down into the hips to the extent that you can. And allow the rear foot to be on the top of the foot. And drip the arms away from the shoulders. Turn the palms forward. Inhale up overhead. Square up the sacrum. Allow the thumbs to drift towards the back wall as you continue to open the heart and spread the collarbones. 
And if it's available to you, look up through the gap. And look forward, pivot the torso over the forward thigh, bring the hands alongside either side of the feet, turn the rear toes under, and step back into down dog. Look up at your hands and see that they're shoulder width apart, and bend the elbows, coming down onto the elbows. And walk the feet in towards the elbows. Dolphin pose. And come up off of the elbows. Press into the heel of the hand. Allow the weight to sink into the back legs. And step forward with the right foot. And with the left, standing forward again. Reach the arms out to the side. Bring the torso parallel to the floor. Take a deep breath, turn the palms up. Pivot the torso all the way up, gently, easefully. Reach the arms up overhead. Palms together down the midline of the body, right to the heart. Feel into a sense of gratitude for all that your body can do for you. Feel into a sense of deep love and compassion for this vessel that carries this magnificent being. And release the hands to the side and shake them out. Bounce a little bit. And twist the body a little bit. Don't be, don't be shy. Go ahead. And just kind of twist around. And come to the top of your mat. Slide the eyes closed for a minute and feel the energy that flows through the body. Yoga was originally developed as a preparation for meditation to allow the mind, heart, to settle inside the body. Notice the heartbeat. Notice what you may feel in the fingertips. Notice the breath. And I invite you now to turn to your left, the left wall. And maybe I'll come over there so everyone can see me. Take a big step to the left. Turn the left toes out 90 degrees and the right toes in about 60 degrees. Bring your hands to the waist and shift 
the weight straight forward. And take a deep breath, reach the arms up, and float them down to shoulder height. Shift the right hip to the right. And reach through the left fingertips. And come back to neutral. And again. And reach just a little bit more each time. Lubricate the hips. And this time, reach all the way over to the left side. Float the left hand down. Avoid the knee. It can come down to the ankle. It can come down to the floor. As though you have the, the back of the, your back is leaning against the wall, lean the shoulder back and float the right arm up overhead. The neck is long. Triangle pulse. And breathe. So come up just a little bit and roll this hip back. Yes. Reach into my fingers. Take a moment to discern what is happening in the mind and what is happening in the body. Be kind to your body. If necessary, release the pose and re-enter. So, I'm going to ask you to come up a little bit. Yes. May I touch you here? And roll the body back. Roll this hip. Come back this way. Yeah, so let me be your wall. And can we do this? Yes. Reach, reach into my fingers. Yes. Beautiful. And as though you have a string attached to the middle of your right palm, allow that, that string to draw you all the way up. Turn the toes forward. Bring the hands in. Bring the thumbs into the hip joint. Press the hips back, chin to chest, and begin to pivot the torso down towards the floor until you become parallel to the floor. At that time, float the arms down in front of you, hands down right below the shoulders, and continue to spill the contents of the head out onto the floor. Take a deep breath and walk the hands over to the left side and reach the right hand beyond the left. Press the right hip back towards the rear wall, keeping the sacrum squared up. Chin to chest and breathe. Notice what you might feel in the, in the back of the right shoulder blade. Take a deep breath, and on the exhale, walk those hands back to center. Inhale here, straighten the elbows. Exhale, bend the elbows back down, pressing them towards the rear wall. And walk the hands over to the right side.
can reach the left hand beyond the right. Press the left hip back. Take a deep breath and walk back to center. And this time walk the hands out in front of you as though you were doing a wide leg downward dog. Stick the palms of the hands and the fingertips into the floor as though you were drawing the floor towards the body. And feel what happens in the shoulders and the upper back body. Take a deep breath here and walk the hands back, right up under the shoulders. Bring the thumbs into the hip creases. Float the torso parallel to the floor as you press into the knees, draw the knees as you press into the feet, draw the knees into the upper thigh, the lower thigh, and pivot the torso all the way up. And let's go to the opposite side, turning the right foot. Is that your right? Turning the right foot 90 degrees and the left 60. Square the torso forward. Roll the shoulders up to the ears and slide them down the back body. And reach the arms out to either side. And shift the left hip. I'm confused. This is the right. Yes, shift your left hip to the left and reach through the right fingers. And come back up. Inhale, reach over. A little bit farther each time. Relax the toes. And this time, reach all the way over to your farthest extent. Float that right hand down. And reach the left hand up overhead. Open the left hip up as you lean the torso against the invisible wall behind you. So come up a little bit. Roll the shoulder back. So allow me to be your wall. Roll the shoulder. Beautiful. Yes. Does that feel different? And float this arm up. Press into my fingers. Lengthen from the tailbone all the way through to the crown of the head. Just come up just a little. Can I adjust you? Okay, we're going to roll this hip back. Yes, not all that, just the hip. Come up a little bit more, just to get the posture. Yes. Press into my fingers. Now from this, this hip is going to come forward a little bit. Beautiful. Now from here, if you can go down a little bit more and maintain that posture, you're good. Hmm. Beautiful. Very nice. I'm going to give you a little more ease here. Be kind to your body. If you need to come out of the posture, I'd like for you to bring your arm up. Yes. And shift this hip back and forward. Yes. 
beautiful. May I take this arm up? Yes. Come out with the string attached to the middle of your palm gracefully and with ease. Turn the feet forward. Bring the hip, bring thumbs into the hip joint. And pivot the torso down towards the earth. The contents of the mind spills out onto the floor. Float the arms down and hook the fingers into the outer edges of the feet. And as though you were drawing your mat together in between the feet, press down and in and feel that that opening and activation on the inner thigh. And bring the palms of the hands in front of you, right onto the floor. Come up on the fingertips. Tip the tailbone up, chin to chest. Release the toes, relax them. And bring the hands into the hip joint and pivot the torso up. And bring the feet together. And let's face this way at the top of your mat. And inhale the arms up overhead, palms together. Exhale down the midline of the body. Fingertips down. Inhale up overhead. Palms together. Exhale down. Find the posture that settles down into your body. Shoulder blades down the back. Shoulders away from the ears. Bring your awareness to the breath. And fingertips down. Inhale up overhead. Exhale right to the heart. And step back with the right foot. And bend the forward knee. Press into the side of the rear foot, the outer edge of the rear foot, and allow the torso to become parallel to the floor. And to the extent that you can, allow the uh, forward thigh to be parallel to the floor. And allow the arms to float down and inhale up. Arms are separated, coming straight out of the um, shoulders or cactus arms, whatever works for you. And breathe. Allow the breath to sustain the pose. And straighten the forward leg. Turn the palms forward. And fold the torso over the forward thigh. Do not lock 
the left knee. Lift the, lift the left toes. Roll on to the ball of the left foot and step forward. Standing forward bend. And reach the arms out to the side. Inhale the palms up. Reach up overhead. Exhale down the midline of the body. Tip the torso forward slightly. Inhale and step back with the left foot. And this time, bring your hands to your waist and let's be sure to square the hips forward. And drop the arms down, bend the forward knee. And reach all the way from the hip joint into the outer edge of the rear foot. Inhale the arms up overhead. Look up through the gap. Allow the thumbs to drift towards the rear wall. The torso is perpendicular to the floor. Roll on to the outer edge of the rear foot and feel how the hip joint pivots. And straighten the forward leg. Palms forward, fold the torso over the forward thigh. Being careful not to lock that knee. To protect it, draw the kneecap up into the lower thigh. And look up at the feet and step forward back into a standing forward bend. Bend the knees. Allow the torso to rest on the thighs. Look down at the earth as you float the arms alongside the ears. Press out through the fingers. Press the tailbone down back into Ukatasana. And breathe. And continue to breathe. Inhale, straightening the legs. Open the heart. Take a deep breath. Bring the palms of the hands together. Down the midline, let it out with a sigh. <sighs> Fingertips down. Inhale the arms up overhead. This time, I want to hear the ha. Ah. Exhale down. Ha. Ah. Inhale up. Let's do it like you mean it. <sighs> and release the hands down alongside the body. Look down at your feet and see that the heels are coming straight out from the hip joint. Allow this to be dynamic as you find your Tadasana. What is the full expression of your Tadasana? And I'd like to invite you at this time to float the body down, but first pay attention to exactly how you get down and come down into your back. 
slow, easeful, graceful movements. Feel all the muscles that move and stretch to bring you down. And draw the knees into the chest. Allow the body to rock from side to side. Do nothing to move the head. The neck carries so much weight every day. So allow the head to hang heavy and the body will pull it from side to side as it so desires. And allow some gentle kindness for the neck. And bring the body back to neutral. Draw the knees into the chest. Spread the knees. Reach the arms into the inner side of the leg. Bend the knees and grab the outer edges of the feet and open the feet wide. Allow the torso to roll up chin to chest and look through the gap to lengthen the spine and roll the spine back down slowly, vertebra by vertebra. Breathe here. And release the hands from the legs and bring the legs together. Feet are standing on the sky. Toes are reaching down towards the face. Take a deep breath and float the left leg down reaching out through the heel, float it straight down. Take your time before it reaches the floor. Bend the right leg and float the sole of the foot down alongside the left knee. Press into the sole of the right foot and shift the hips over to the right slightly. And take a deep breath. Step the right foot up on the left leg, avoid the knee. Bring the left hand to the outer edge of the right knee as you drift the right hand, the back of the right hand over to the right side and begin to gently roll the right knee over to the left side. Sutta Matsandrasana, reclining spinal twist. Take your time. There's no destination here. Press out through the heel of the left foot. Stick the right shoulder to the earth, a gentle kiss. If your right shoulder has come up off of your mat, you've gone too far, too fast. And feel the length in the right side of the body. Feel the channel of energy running from the heel all the way through the left leg. And release the left hand from the knee. Take a deep breath and roll back as you firmly place your right foot on the floor. Shift the body back to neutral and slide that right leg out to meet the left. 
Allow both feet to fall out to the side and notice any difference on either side of the body. And once again, draw the knees into the chest. Take a couple of rocks from side to side. And release the knees and bring the feet to standing on the ceiling. Press out through the right heel this time and drift the right foot down slowly and evenly. Bend the left knee. Bring the left heel and foot down to your mat and shift the weight over to the left side just a bit. Take a deep breath. Step the left foot up on the right leg and bring the right hand to the outer edge of the left knee. The left arm reaches out to the side and gradually migrate the left leg and knee over to the right side. And if it's available to you, look out over your left fingers. Breathe right into the left rib cage. Sometimes if you arc the back in this posture, you can release the vertebrae a little bit more. Press out through the right heel. Release the right hand from the left knee and begin to float the body firmly back onto your mat. Float that left heel down, shift the body back into neutral, and slide the left leg out. Allow both knees to fall out to the side. And we will begin our final posture of Shavasana. So find a position on your mat where you can feel how the earth supports you. And release all of your multidimensional selves down to the earth.
breath is the bridge between the internal and external world. Begin to cross that bridge now as you bring your awareness back to all that surrounds you. Draw in a deep, full, nourishing breath and allow it to drift down to the extremities of your body, finding the tips of your toes and your fingertips and wiggle them around there. Allow those small movements to give rise to larger movements in the ankles and the arms. Bring your feet to standing on your mat, knees bent. And then allow the knees to drift from side to side. Gentle massage for the sacrum. And allow those knees to fall all the way over as they draw the upper torso with it. And feel into the familiar comfort of this original posture. Find the breath again. And on the next inhale, allowing the head to hang heavy. Great kindness to the neck. Use the arms and the shoulders to draw yourself up into a comfortable seated position. And find the full length of the spine. Find the openness of the heart as you press it through the threshold of the ribcage. Shoulders are reaching back towards the rear wall and float the palms of the hands together over the heart center. And join me in ending our practice by chanting the sound of Om. Take a deep breath right here. a little bio break time maybe is it <laughs> mm-hmm. and so um, if you need to take care of yourself please do so at this time 
as we will move into the meditation in just a few minutes.
Hi. So I invite you to come into your, your normal posture of comfort and ease. Because as we allow the body to relax, we're better able to quiet the mind. There's already so many thoughts going on inside. We don't need to give it any more physical things to think about. And I invite you to slide the eyes closed or If you choose to allow the eyes to remain open, affect a soft focus somewhere cast down towards the floor a few feet in front of you. And bring your awareness to the breath. whatever is your central object of focus. And come to that object with a sense of curiosity. If it's the breath, perhaps it is the tip of the nostrils, noticing how the breath enters the nostrils and exits the body on the exhale. Or it may be the movement of the rise and fall of the abdomen or the chest. Or it may be the pressure of the body as it rests down upon the earth and is drawn closer by gravity. Explore this object with full curiosity. Release all judgment. And as thoughts arise, release the thoughts back to your central object. And when you find that thoughts may be sticky, reoccurring, hard to let go of, then gently shift your central object to the thought. Allow it. Investigate it. At every aspect of your practice, 
Allow yourself to have acceptance and ease.
As thoughts arise, anchor your mind on the shore and simply allow the thoughts to drift down river as though a leaf floating by, arising and passing away. all your awareness back to your central object of focus.
air start to rise. Allow the mind to come back to its central object of focus. When thoughts are difficult to release, investigate the Vedana of the thought. Is it pleasant? Unpleasant? Or neither pleasant or unpleasant? This is what is known as the feeling tone.
It's been a while since I've um, been here. I think it was last year sometime. And um, it seems like there was a reconfiguring of the space. Do you still do that? Hmm? Come closer. Yay! So I invite you to do that at this time. And also I invite you to take care of yourself as you need to. Meditation after yoga is always so yummy. I'd like to just ask a general question that doesn't really have a lot to do with what I'm going to talk about today, but how many of you really have a good time on the cushion? Yeah. On the cushion. Am I not talking loud enough? It, it sounds like it's so loud that I've dropped my voice down, so I'll try to lift it back up. It sounds like totally loud to me. <laughs> yeah. It took me, um, it took me years to come to a point where I really loved to sit because I was really very busy trying to make my sit be something that I thought it was supposed to be. And ultimately, it was not. And then I finally realized that the practice is what it is. And when, when I brought my curiosity to that, everything changed. You know, when thoughts arose, before I was trying to push them away, and it was always a struggle, and then I would get tense and start judging myself, and then... Finally, I realized, oh, yes. And it's the same with our yoga practice. It's like wherever we are, it's like rest in that place. And so I just, when I was doing the instruction, you know, that, those, that rose up for me, and I just kind of got a little curious because I remember how I used to be. Um, so... I'm going to talk a little bit about courage and compassion today. You know, it's been a pretty rough week. Actually, it's 
for me, it's kind of been a pretty rough year. But, you know, we are living in extreme times. You know, times of severe violence and unfathomable hatred. And it seems like almost every time I've come to um, offer a talk or practice, um, that there's been really another tragedy to bear, like very closely. And it's always felt like, you know, how do I go on just talking about, you know, my topic without acknowledging that? So this time it was Charlene Lyles. She was murdered on Sunday by the police in front of her three children. Um, and just days prior, the police officer who murdered Philandro Castile in Minnesota was acquitted. Makram Ali was killed on Monday when a man drove his vehicle into a London mosque. And he injured many other men, women, and children. And just on Tuesday, Nabra Hassanen, a 17-year-old Muslim girl, was beaten to death in Virginia after her and her friends were leaving the mosque. So crimes of intolerance are touching our lives on a daily basis. And each and every tragedy and loss of life deserves our attention and compassion. There are really too many incidents to mention, particularly in the short time that we have. And, and in life, there's really almost too many to stay awake for. How do, we, how do we stay awake and turn our face to all that's happening in the world? Um, so instead of saying more about the heightened tragedies that are happening in our neighborhoods and our communities, our cities, and around the world, I'd, I'd instead like to invite us into a moment of silence to reflect upon and send prayers of compassion, safety, and protection, and love out into the world in honor and respect for the many lives that are daily being needlessly taken out of the things that we practice the opening of our hearts for hatred, greed, and delusion. So I'd like to just take a moment right now and those of us who are willing can simply internally offer whatever you have in your heart to offer that it may spread out into the world.
There are probably many reasons why we have come here today. Some have come to deepen their meditation practice and some have come to absorb more teachings of the Buddha. Some are seeking greater peace in their lives and some are curious about mindfulness and how it can enhance our lives, lower the stress level, and bring more peace and calm into our lived experience. But no matter how you define your intent for being here, ultimately we've come to this place today to partake of the practices of liberation as outlined by the Buddha. But what is liberation truly? I'd like to share three back-to-back quotes by Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects everyone. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. The second quote is just a sentence. No one is free until we are all free. So as we come to find liberation, it's very important to remember. And the third quote is, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter. Our lives begin to end. How do we come to care for and attend to the things that matter in the world when our daily lives are so full of the urgency of the mundane? How do we pick and choose the things that need our attention outside of our daily family life and routines? How do we discern what matters when there is so much in the world that is broken? How is it that we even turn our face towards the world's horrors when it all seems so monumental and so overwhelming? If and when we set an intention to make a difference in this broken world, how do we keep the wetness of these traumatic experiences and messages from soaking our clothes and seeping into our pores as we swim upstream against the current. When we encounter, encounter prejudice and bigotry, hoarding and discrimination, exclusion and cold-heartedness, and want to take action to change it, either for ourselves or for another, the action taking is, taken is ultimately going to flow from the heart. And it is the quality of this content in our heart 
that will determine whether we contribute to the very thing we wish to change or whether we will actually affect some shift or movement towards something kinder and more equitable. As stated by the Dalai Lama, the starting point from which we begin to cultivate compassionate action is from within. When we can have compassion for ourselves, we are more capable of the clarity and understanding necessary to be more flexible and tolerant of other people, conditions, and circumstances. He also says that love and compassion are necessities, not luxuries. Without them, humanity cannot survive. Not some of us cannot survive, but the whole of us cannot survive. And we're seeing that right now. This is the state that we find ourselves in today. The world, the earth, the planet that sustains us may not survive this lack of love and compassion. We're all products of our cultural conditioning, all of us. Our roots have grown in a soil that by and large has not been cultivated for self-love. It's not been cultivated for compassion. As stated by Tara Brock, um, one of our meditation teachers and psychologists, we are told that to be lovable, to be approved, we need to meet certain criteria. Many times unattainable or inappropriate standards that steer us away from self-love and compassion. And this puts us in what Tara terms a trance of unworthiness. You know, strong patterns of habit, they don't just disappear. The residue of these cultural and societal and familial messages are not just resting on the surface of the skin, easily washed off like the dirt of the day. They are deeply embedded codes of conduct and assumed, assumed, I say, assumed identities layered onto the fiber of our being. They function a lot of times under the radar, unconsciously. And many times they may only become apparent when we act from some extreme place of ill will that may be shocking even to ourselves. I mean, I can ask all of us and myself how many times maybe I blurted something out that was hurtful and I didn't really mean to, but it just kind of came out. And then the moment of recognition that, oh, whoa, you know, this came out of my heart. I had that in there. You know, all that, you know, even though we are in a culture where romantically it says, follow your heart, all, that, all that's in the heart is not skillful. And at other times, these 
conditioning. This conditioning is more subtle and normalized in a way that we may not recognize at all as we act or don't act from a place of self-denial, a place of non-compassion, and in the trance of of unworthiness, a place of self-loathing. While in this trance, we take on behaviors that numb us to the painful realities we witness and experience. We can, we can become numb. And sometimes it's so much that it's unimaginable. What, you know, what is our recourse but to shut it down, to like wall it off? to protect our own sensibilities. But the numbness blocks out feelings also that we may hold of of not being good enough or not being enough just as we are. This numbness, it insulates us from our conditioned state of personal disregard. Because it's from that state that we disregard others. There's no separation there. We treat, we act towards, we judge others less than we do ourselves. The real kernel of that is how we love ourselves or not love ourselves. And that gets projected out into the world. In this numbness, we are unable to act on our own behalf, much less on the behalf of others. You know, this state of constriction, of being shut down, cut off, immobilized, is the dukkha of the first noble truth. Dukkha, the suffering. Other ways we may try to overlay and obscure these deep internal states of personal disregard are acts of overachieving, being better and smarter than others, by equating our worth with career success, with wealth, with the accumulation of material items, by having power over others in our jobs and our families, by becoming super popular through sexual prowess or seduction, and by taking care of others at the expense of ourselves. That's a, you know, a fine line there. I wonder if any of these may sound familiar. You know, the mind is highly creative and capable of formulating many masks for the purpose of creating an identity that we can live with. It's much easier to overachieve and, and, you know, be seductive and all that than to think of ourselves not really loving ourselves and caring for ourselves. To think of ourselves as having self-loathing or self-hatred. You know, who among us wants to hold in our consciousness a notion that we're failures, that we do not belong, that we are unworthy, that we are worthless, that we can't affect change in the world when we see 
that change needs to happen. In that regard, those masks, the coverings, they serve as well. Yet at the cost of living a life of delusion. And that's a high price to pay. I tend to be long-winded, so let me check the time. All that I have described here are what the Buddha called dukkha. Dukkha, 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 dukkha. And it's the first of the Four Noble Truths. In this material world, there's dukkha. We can't get around that. There's no way around that truth. Even if your life is like just roses, we can't get around the dukkha. At the bare minimum, there is the initial birth where we are handed a guaranteed death certificate. As soon as we show up, it's going to be over for sure. And then there's death and then there's everything in between. And, you know, <laughs> that might sound dismal. But the second noble truth states that there are causes and conditions for that suffering and that the cause is craving, desire, want, need, I gotta have it. It's a cause of suffering. And to be clear, that includes anything. It includes craving peace and craving love and craving happiness. It is the craving that causes the suffering of anything. Anything that we're reaching for in like a needy, addictive way. Holding on to. You know, I asked that question earlier. How many of us suffer on the cushion because we are craving a particular type of experience other than the one that we're having? You know, it comes right down onto the moment when we're sitting and nothing else is happening. It's like quiet and it's like then, oh God, I wish I were like more quiet. I wish I was having samadhi right now. But the good news is the third noble truth is that there's a way out of dukkha. Imagine that. A life of liberation free from suffering. Whoa. How can that be? At the point that we can be free of craving, free of desire to hold on to things, to relinquish our claim of anything as me or mine, this is the point that we can internally be liberated from dukkha. But that does not mean that suffering will cease to exist in the world. It only means that the absence of craving will bring to the heart an evenness of temper that will allow for both sorrow and joy to be held with the same weight. Because there are 10,000 joys and there's definitely 10,000 sorrows.
But does this mean that relinquishing craving, does this mean relinquishing the craving for life itself, for joy, for peace in the world? Is that what it will take to achieve liberation? That's a pretty tall order that requires a great depth of understanding. And here's where the fourth noble truth comes to the rescue. You know, I see the fourth noble truth as the noble truth of faith, really. It simply states that there is a road map we can follow, and that road map is the Eightfold Path. And it has many rest stops and watering holes, places of refuge to quench the fires of craving, of ill will, and the murkiness of delusion and ignorance that clouds our vision and covers our, our eyes and our ability to see clearly, to see the world clearly, to see our lives clearly. Some of these rest stops, there are many, but the ones I'm going to talk about are the rest stops of the Brahma Viharas, you know, the heavenly abodes. Metta, loving kindness, Karuna, compassion. Mudita is the sharing and borrowing of the joy of others, sometimes called sympathetic joy. And Upeka, which is equanimity, it is the balance, that balance that I talked about a minute ago. It is the balance of holding all things equally, free of compulsion and reaction. It's a beautiful thing to cultivate personal liberation, but in fact, it is a revolutionary act because it goes against the stream of our cultural conditioning. It is the contents, again, the contents of our hearts that make up the world, not our bodies. Really, it's where the intention comes from. This is where we hold our intention. And that is what makes up the world. When we look out and see devastation and destruction, cruelty and the numbness of passivity, it is a delusion to think that we ourselves are not part of that big ball of mess with its downstream momentum. Even when we are sitting at peace, we're still a part of all of it. You know, it takes heart to swim upstream against the current. This is why I'm going to turn now towards the cultivation of metta and karuna, loving kindness and compassion. The cultivation of compassion, which is the, which is the concern and care for the suffering of others, This is really an act of courage. It's not easy to, to look into the face of suffering. I know for myself, there have been many times that I've had to turn my face away. I couldn't find the heart to, to look at it, much less act upon it. In the words of um, Deepama, which is one of the great teachers of many of our senior teachers here at Spirit Rock, 
When the heart is not afraid, the love can pour through. When the heart is not afraid, the love can pour through. And that's courage. It is a fierce heart that can withstand the emotional challenges that accompany opening the heart to tenderness and compassion. Because it involves a willingness to feel the pain of suffering, the pain of the first noble truth. That numbness and that inability to act, that's because there's a mask and a shielding here. It's there for protection. But as it protects, it also doesn't allow anything to come out from it or to come in. And it doesn't just block off the things that like I feel I closed my heart off to protect myself from this thing. It blocks off everything. It shuts it down. So when I, when I want to go for love, it shuts that down too. It's like, hmm, I wonder why that didn't work. Well, boom. It's shielded here. When we cultivate compassion, we can expect the fear of that pain to arise. <laughs> the dukkha is there. And this is because compassion is like a bomb that loosens and uncovers the hardened and crusted over layers of the heart. So as those things start to melt away, then we start getting down to what is soft and tender, the thing that we, we sought to protect. And it starts getting a little bit scary. You know, this is what happens when we're in danger and the weapon is pointed directly at us. And we either close it off or pull out our own weapon or we just allow ourselves to have the compassion for the person on the other end of that weapon. You know, this is not an easy thing to do. And our culture teaches us, oh, no, 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 you don't do that. You, you better pack and have your own stuff, right, ready to, to go. And, you know, this is what we're taught, the revenge and retribution. We're, we're growing in that soil in our culture. So it's a big hurdle to jump over. Loving kindness and compassion are sometimes called the practices of heart purification. Purifying all that junk that's in there. All that unskillfulness that we hold. <laughs> I'm so guilty. Oh my God. I'm so guilty. I get so annoyed sometimes with my partner at home. Maybe something is left on the table or, you know, something petty. You know, the shoes are piled up at the door. And, you know, well, why can't those shoes be moved? And then 
you know, I'm not going to tell you what I might do with the shoes, but, you know, that's something that's in my heart, you know, like, instead of like, oh, maybe it was, um, maybe there was a rush or difficult or hard work today, you know, that's compassion. So we all hold a lot of stuff in the heart. So loving kindness and compassion are called practices of heart purification. And they throw back the coverings of the heart that have grown in place over a lifetime as strategies for protection. Meta and compassion, they strip off the mask of the many identities we have fabricated that seemingly make life easier to live with. The mind-heart is, is really not so prone to give up these coverings just for the asking. Hell, these, these strategies have been homegrown and customized to fit our unique experiences, like a tailored coat. Each of us has a very unique covering and mask just for us. So the mind heart is like, you know what, I had that tailored and I'm not giving it up. Because without them we are naked and just as we are. Which is really great actually. This is why Metta and Karuna require really deep courage. We engage in the practice of loving kindness first for ourselves. And as the heart grows to reclaim its natural, its natural loving state of goodness, it opens and blossoms and allows that goodness to spread outward into the world. So this goes back to the content of our heart is what the world is made of. When we're able to allow this to come forward, we are gifting all beings. It is a revolutionary act. We are gifting all beings with the great gifts of kindness, safety, and ease. And also, the practice of compassion, it generates self-confidence through self-acceptance. We have compassion for ourselves. We are having acceptance for ourselves. And that's going to generate some self-confidence. When, when I have been feeling like, oh, I'm too fat. And then I have compassion for myself. Then that judgment falls away and I become more self-confident. And when we fully accept ourselves, um, accept ourselves unarmored and unmasked just as we are, we are better able to accept others in the innumerable variations the world has to offer just as they are. I know none of this is new. It's good to hear it over and over again. This self-confidence that is generated from compassion it then acts as a feedback loop and it hooks around and invigorates our courage again. And so courage and compassion are like two dancers 
perfectly paired to support each other to the rhythm and melody of loving kindness. Only a fierce, courageous heart can withstand the emotional challenges that inevitably accompany the opening up to tenderness and the compassion necessary to face and address adversity and hatred, the adversity and hatred that is saturating our world right now. In the words of Lao Tzu, an ancient Chinese philosopher and writer who was the author of the Tao Te Ching, Tao Te Ching, from caring comes courage. This is old news. And in my own words, let not life harden our hearts. For what is contained therein is the contents of our world. Courage and compassion steeped in meta. That's what we need right now. That's what the world is needing. So thank you for your kind attention. And let's see where we are on time. So we have a few minutes for a discussion. And I didn't come equipped with a question, but I would like to invite anyone who feels so inclined to um, put their voice in the room to perhaps speak on any aspect of the talk that comes forward for you, that stands out for you. And to share that generously with the Sangha. Mm-hmm. Yes. Did everyone hear? Which, I'm sorry, what's your name? Mark. Mark. Did everyone hear Mark? <coughs> you didn't? Um, I'm going to try to rephrase a little bit. Mark was saying that the dilemma for him is um, wa- wanting to remain peaceful, wanting to be peaceful, but also wanting to be in and of the world and all that's happening, that is difficult and getting sucked into it. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, how do you keep from, you know, getting sucked into it? And that's where our practice comes in. That's where equanimity comes in. And it's a, definitely a long road, but that is really, truly where the Brahma Viharas show up for us. Because 
there's a certain amount of um, understanding and discernment that comes from the wisdom of compassion, of self-compassion. It's got to start from in here. So noticing the getting sucked in, noticing the overdoing, and also being aware of our intentions and our true motivations for doing it. Is it, mm, are we getting sucked in because we have some sense of responsibility or some need or some way that we need to present ourselves to the world? Or is it really coming from a heart space? and being able to feel into what we need, what we need. Because if we're depleted, and we're burned out, and we're not at peace, we're ineffective. So the moment we cross that line, that's where our awareness practice comes in. And it's quite a challenge, but it's also, I think, important to realize that those heart practices and those openings of the heart are leaving their traces in the world. Even though we might not be out in the march or, you know, doing some serious social justice activism or whatever, whatever the area is that we're drawn to, our practice is really putting love and kindness into into the world. So we have to keep that in mind. It's very important to keep that in mind. It doesn't have to look just like our sitting practice. It doesn't have to look a certain kind of way that we think it needs to look. And we know, we'll know from what's in our heart. Anyone else like to offer their thoughts to the Sangha? Feel something bubbling up. <laughs> and allow us to simply take a moment to slide the eyes closed. To feel into the breath and into the heart. To allow a sense of gratitude to rise up and permeate from the inside out I'm going to ask you at this time to bring the palms of the hands together at the heart center. And I dedicate the merit of this practice today to ease the suffering for all beings above us, below us, 
and to either side of us, in front and behind, in worlds unknown and unthought of. May all beings be free from suffering. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.